I'm Modesta Ahmed, Managing Partner at UNICEF's Communications, and this is PR Unmasked. Twelve years ago, along with my business partner Shiraz Ahmed, I embarked on a journey to create a place where Muslim changemakers could come together to address the issues they're facing in their communities across the globe. Since then, the Concordia Forum has become the world's largest retreat of global cross-sector leaders from Muslim backgrounds. Each year, hundreds of leaders are meeting at exclusive retreats to promote social justice and improve social mobility. And we've successfully held retreats all over Europe and North America. In today's episode, I sat down with the co-founder of the forum, Shiraz Ahmed, the current chair, Zahir Manullah, and the vice chair, Salma Hassan Ali, to discuss how we got to this point what to expect when you arrive, the highlights of the journey, and how Concordia has transformed lives. I'm going to begin with the first uh, question. How did you get involved in the Concordia Forum? How did you hear about it? And how long ago was that? So can I direct that question to Sahib? I met Modester, um, the co-founder of the Concordia Forum in 2008, and shortly after meeting him, he invited me to the very first Concordia Forum, which was held in 2009 in Andalusia in Spain. And what was interesting about that is that because it had never been done before, he went through great pains to sort of encourage me to come. So I was amongst the first 30 or so people that he had to really sell the idea to. And because there hadn't been anything like it at that time, as you can imagine, uh, I was a little hesitant. And I think for a lot of people, especially in those early years, actually coming to Concordia and seeing uh, what the vision was and seeing what it meant to, to build trust amongst people who I hadn't met before, it was incredibly illuminating. To me, it felt like the missing piece of the puzzle for all of the you know the floundering that relative, that we did after 9/11 and 7/7 around you know around how Muslims can mobilize strategically in Western countries. It it really really made sense, and I've been involved ever since. Basically, I've come to every single Concordia. Thank you, Zahid. Um, Salma, how did you hear about it? When did you hear about it? And what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, interesting question, Vadasa, because uh, I first heard about it in a social gathering. I live in Washington, D.C., and, and there was just a, you know, a dinner party at a friend's house. And there were three or four or five people kind of huddled together talking about this event that they had just come back from. And when I joined the conversation, it was a little bit hush. You know, people were reluctant to share too much information. I mean, often when you experience something together or you go to an, you know, an ordinary conference or, or meeting or workshop, you share about what happened and what what it was about and where it was and but in this case people were a little bit quiet about the details and so I, I didn't push it and then a couple of months later I was invited to this to this gathering of people by by two of the the folks that were at that dinner party and again I you know my curiosity was peaked at the dinner party it's further peaked now as I'm getting this invitation to something that I'm still not quite sure about. Uh, and then I attended for the first time in Atlanta, which I think was about six years ago, not knowing what to expect, but going with sort of an open mind and open heart and real sense of curiosity. And yeah, it was, it was really a lot of fun. 
and I was just kind of getting my feet wet um, at that first one, and I've been ever since. Thank you so much. Shiraz, you and I came up with this, this idea together. What are your earliest memories of, the, of planning the very first one? Goodness, um, well, those are really early memories. Um, so I remember we set up Concordia around about the same time as we set up our business. In fact, I think that was part of your pitch. Your pitch was, hey, now that we set up a business and we're going to be making money, why don't we sort of start with a CSR project, right? And uh, you had this vision of Concordia already. Like it was already buzzing in your mind. And you were like, look, let's, let's do something that brings together Muslim leaders. Uh, and I thought it was a great project, you know, building trust. I was a bit apprehensive initially about us, you know, doing a CSR project one week after setting up the business. But, you know, I remember you were very um, um, boisterous onwards and upwards, and we did it that first year. And the earliest memories of organizing it, goodness, I remember we did a recce uh, to Spain for the first Concordia and um, uh, us getting lost at 3 a.m. in the morning, trying to drive to this remote retreat somewhere and just yeah these, these really um, um sort of bizarre memories now that, that that are coming back to me from the first concordia to where we've gone now i mean it's grown so much and you know the friends that i made at that first forum you know it's you know they've really stood the test of time and i think for me that's what concordia is right it's it's what makes every team or organization effective it's the trust that that brings people together um, and is crucial to making great things happen now we've been going for for 12 years now at the, the forum and we've created some wonderful memories and some absolutely fantastic projects have have come out of it I, i'd love to to pick your brain um Zayed, on some of the highlights throughout the years as you recall them um, I'll, I would, I guess, I would measure it in milestones. You know, as we, as as the forum grew and the network grew, we always thought about how to how to capitalize on that. And obviously, we started in, in a particular location in Spain for three years, um, and basically outgrew it. And then we had to start to think about what this really meant. Concordia was evolving into a primarily a transatlantic network because the issues that Western Muslims faced were really shared between European and British Muslims and also Canadian and American Muslims. And those communities seemed to have the most to learn from each other. They were the most dynamic of Muslim communities in many ways in the world. I mean, you know, um, be, being in, uh, you know, living as minorities in Western societies had brought particular challenges but also spurred great creativity and great dynamism. So the biggest decision we made after three years was to, was to relocate to different countries and also re relocate transatlantically. We also realized that we had to reflect the Ummah in a very accurate way. And we did take a look inwards and say, look, are we representing African-American Muslims? Are we representing Muslims from all different backgrounds, all different nationalities? And the truth is, actually, at the time, we weren't. And so we actually began a process by which we specifically outreached to communities that were underrepresented at Concordia, and also to ensure that we had gender parity. These were things, I think, that were holding us back in the West in general, actually, in the Muslim world writ large. And we wanted to be the antidote to that. So um, 
to me, that was the biggest experiment. And I don't think any other Muslim civil society organization in the world has done it. Thank you, Zaid Summer. So what have been some of the challenges that you've been part of the Concordia leadership for a while now? What are some of the the challenges that you think that we've helped address, some of the new things that you've been excited about within the program, and some of the broader challenges in society that you think we might have, in the Muslim community that we might have shed light on? Uh, well, one of the things that um, I've been most actively involved in, and I think Concordia has really contributed towards and sort of filled a vacuum in, is art, focusing on art. Uh, you know, often when we have these kinds of gatherings, conferences, people don't think about art and culture in, in the way that we are starting to think about it. Or if they do, it's sort of sidelined, it's in a, uh, it's in a, room, it's an afterthought, it's it's not sort of front and center. And this is an idea that you brought to Concordia and that we've been working on together. And I think we're still continuing to develop and and get better at, but just focusing on art and artists and reveling in the beauty that is part of our heritage and our history and our present, and really bringing that to our attention so that we can learn to appreciate what is within us and among us and the art and artists that are part of our faith tradition and really celebrate that and give them the attention and appreciation that they are so due. Uh, if I could just add to that, I mean, what's really, really important about what Selma has done in encouraging the arts uh, to be represented and supported in Concordia is that a lot of the challenges that we face in the West, when we think about solutions, and we spend a lot of time at Concordia thinking about solutions to big problems, um, there's a lot of it that comes down to narrative building. And you know, you know, a lot of us who aren't as artistically inclined or familiar with media and communications, it's our artists and our storytellers and our filmmakers that are a part of that solution. And you know, th this is this is you know, I, I think that some people might think of the arts as an extraneous luxury when in fact it's a necessity. And I think that this is what that is really about the stories and the, and the way that we craft our narrative into the landscape. Thank you. Shiraz, what was it that inspired you to, to dedicate 12 years of your life towards helping build up Concordia? What was that initial ideal, the values and the motivation and the impulse? The initial idea that really inspired me was was that we're addressing a deficit that is central to to building you know strong communities uh so you know we um you know there are lots of great organizations out there and lots of great structures but without that without the fabric of trust you know you can't build strong resilient powerful networks that can get through the hard times and you know can really build something profound right and um uh, i recognize that you know i think we um uh, would, would have been like 2008 or 9 so it was around a time when you know post 77 uh, there were a lot of questions the muslim community was asking itself and it needed its own space to to discuss some of these, um, you know, uh, you know, ha have some of these difficult conversations. 
And so I knew there was a real need. And, you know, that, that idea of building trust, you know, and connecting and us forming our own narratives. That's, you know, the, and then after that, you know, every Concordia, you know, was, you know, create the impetus to keep raising the bar because we, we were bringing in such amazing people into the tent. And, you know, these are all people that aren't just great leaders in their respective fields, you know, politicians, academia, people from media, um, artists, of course, but they were all people that had shown some commitment to giving back. And that was incredible. You bring all of these people together and you create a program designed for them to build friendships. And you see over 10 years, this chain reaction develop, right? These, these you know, two, two people connect who, who had never connected before. And they build a friendship, you know, a couple of years down the line, they, they build an organization together or they invest together. And that leads to something else. And I've had the privilege and honor of seeing that, of witnessing that and being a part of it. And, you know, this journey, you know, has been one of the greatest journeys of, uh, of my life in some ways, insofar as I'm part of this transformation that, that I see evolving before my, my very eyes. And, I, you know, that's the impetus, really, to, to continue doing it. What happens at Concordia? What is Concordia? A lot happens, and it's, it depends on each person and where they are in their journey and what brings them to Concordia at that moment and what they're looking for what they're searching for, what they need, uh, whatever it is. So it's not a, you can't make a blanket statement that this is what happens. It really is very individualized and very unique for each person's experience. And I'll just share something um, that happened for me. And I think for, for a group of us, this past Concordia, I was um, invited to lead a storytelling workshop. And I had I've just published a book and it was going to be around the themes of that book, which is a collection of personal stories. But, and I had a couple of prompts that I was going to share with the participants. But before I went into that, I thought I could do sort of an icebreaking exercise. And for that, I came up with this, um, this thing that's often done. It's called a six-word memoir. And I thought we'd go around the room, introduce ourselves with this idea of capturing some aspect of our life story in just six words. And that turned out to be one of the most moving experiences of my life. And I think for many in that, in that workshop, it really um, captures what Concordia is and what Concordia does uh, and how you have to experience Concordia to really understand its true meaning. So in that room, there were a dozen of us. There were business leaders, there were artists, there was the attorney general of Minnesota uh, and various other people. And we went around and shared our life story or some aspect of it in six words. And people opened up so profoundly. So they shared their six words. Every time there was just a silence after those six words were shared because it was so moving. And then the person elaborated on why they chose those six words. And then there were tears, and then there were hugs, and then there was, you know, just 
a support that develops. And for me, it captures really the true essence of what Concordia is, how it changes people, how it uh, impacts people, how it becomes a part of people. You know, in that room, there was trust that was developed. We use that word, you know, we're there to create trust. What does that mean? This is what it means. You capture people in a room, many of whom don't, don't know each other from before, and they somehow feel comfortable enough to unearth some of their deepest feelings and emotions and feel vulnerable enough to cry, to share, to support, to be confidants of. And all of that happens somehow. You know, it's, um, it's hard to capture, but for me, those two hours in that workshop is the crux of what we aspire to and what we can be if people bring that to Concordia. You know, bring that honesty, vulnerability, intention, openness, a faith, and love, and trust. <laughs> it's such a hard question, and I can only answer it by sharing this personal example. It happens. And I think it happens, you know, in small gatherings, in, in you know, conversations, in, and in what happens after Concordia. It's not just those four days. That is just the beginning of deeper, stronger, more meaningful relationships. Uh, and it continues to happen. And, um, you know, at Concordia, I've also experienced, you know, the, this connection that happens when you are your authentic self. Right. And there are so many conferences and summits I've been to where you exchange a business card. Right. And you get to know someone very superficially. Um, and, you know, let's face it, there's a bit of a, um, um, a pretense one often puts, you know, out there about, you know, where they work and who they are. And, you know, what what we'd achieved at the first Concordia and we've replicated it every year is an ability to go way beyond that. And for people to really share and be vulnerable and share their authentic self. And that's how great relationships and friendships and bonds are built. Um, and yet, I completely agree, Summer. That's one of the, the most profound, powerful things that I've experienced at Concordia. And I think a lot of other people experience too. Thank you, guys. I agree. Absolutely. Zahid, but I want you to tell us a bit about what um, takes place over the three days. If somebody comes to Concordia, what are they to expect, expect to be doing with themselves? Um, well, this is the thing. I mean, the Concordia program has evolved uh, a lot over the last 12 years, and it's evolved in a way to, to take participants on a journey from beginning to end and provide opportunities to that individual um, at various points during the process. And what we've learned over the years is that, you know, when people come to Concordia, uh, they're sort of, they may be in the sort of now what phase of their life where they've learned about Islam and what Islam means to them. They've built a career. They've established some leadership in their sector. Now what is the question a lot of them seem to ask? And it seems to, it seems to fit the mold of a lot of people who come to Concordia for the first time. They're asking that question for themselves, and they get a sense that they'll find the answer at Concordia. So, so when people come, process is there and is carefully constructed so that they can start to put together the answer to that question first by introducing them to people, to like-minded people of different backgrounds that they otherwise would never have met, 
start to build trust around them, start to you know let their guard down, provide a, a, a space of inspiration so they feel like they're genuinely out of their normal, busy working environment, um, and then provide those opportunities for growth, for debate, for asking difficult questions, for, for, for interactions with other people that they, again, that they would not normally have had, and, and also to enjoy themselves, you know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a five-star experience for a reason, because it's aspirational uh, for the people who come. We're sort of, in a way, we're recognizing them for what they've achieved, but also showing them a vision of a, of a bigger world in which they play an important role. So that aspiration part of it is kind of crucial. It's represented in our keynote speakers. It's represented in the entertainment. It's represented in the venue. We want people to be able to come to Concordia and leave with the, the question of now what answered. And then what we do see is people then going on to do things that they probably never would have done had they not either met people within Concordia or have been given the, given the, the reassurance and the encouragement and the, uh, you know, and the respect. In many cases, it's respect. You know, a lot of the people who come to Concordia they don't feel like they are appreciated by either their families, communities, or what have you. And they're finding that acceptance and respect and encouragement within this family. I mean, as, as, as Selma was alluding to, you know, I don't think I have come to a single Concordia forum where someone hasn't been in tears in front of me and saying something along the lines of, I finally met my people, you know, or I finally found people who understand me. And uh, I, I wouldn't take that lightly. Those are the kind of things that people remember for the rest of their lives. Charles, um, over the years, what have been some of the highlights, uh, programming highlights for you? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there, there are so many, so many memories and options to, to pick from. Um, well, you know, I, um, I, I love everything, but uh, the debates I've always enjoyed. Uh, you know, so uh, we we have such great minds that come to Concordia, and I mean, ultimately, the debates are designed for people to to interact and get to know one another and continue those conversations. You know, after the debates ended, but because there are such incredible people, and I don't know if we can name names here, but uh, you know, you know, acclaimed media personalities and commentators and um, um, you know, humorous. Uh, witty moderators. Uh, I've always loved, you know, the debates. Um, it's been one of the highlights for me. Uh, then they, they, they've gone better and better um, as each year goes by. I am a huge fan of the first morning team building activities. Uh, I've got to say, we've got to applaud ourselves for being really creative here. Um, uh, we always think of something new and different. We've done, um, you know, uh, we've done a boat racing. Um, we've, uh, I think we, we did this uh, really creative way to um, go and round Amsterdam on some sort of treasure hunt with um, um, segways. Um, like we've done so many great um, uh, team building activities on, on the first day. I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, the, the one thing the one bit of programming that really sticks out for me, and you know, it began really organically. It was, it was chai after dark. It was this 
idea that we'd bring everyone together and everyone would just share one evening, right? This would be maybe the second night in or the third night in once, you know, everyone's broken the ice and got to know one another and people just share and there was no um, program to it. It was very freestyle and, you know, it really embodied the spirit of Concordia. People, you know, being vulnerable, sharing stories and people are laughing and, you know, people are getting teary because uh, some of these, you know, stories can be quite touching. And um, th that's the evening for me at every Concordia where there is this bond between the whole group and you can feel it. So I, I love that. I mean, there's so much. There's so much that happens at, uh, at Concordia. I love Synergizer. Synergizers are uh, this concept of, you know, um, it's almost like a dragon's den type concept, but, uh, but it's not as harsh. P people go up and um, showcase their initiatives and projects, and they're all very impressive. And then everyone uh, from the Concordia delegates is able to register how they want to support that initiative, whether it's financially or whether it's through their networks, um, you know, whether it's um, uh, through advisory support. Uh, and that's, that also is fantastic. I, I love that. There's so much to pick, pick from that I'm, uh, it's like choosing your, uh, your favorite child. So I'm the same question to you. What are the key programming highlights that stand out for you over the years? Uh, well, Shiraz has covered most of them. Um, I, I agree with uh, his assessment. I think I'll just add um, what I, from all of the various programs that we do, the feeling that I take away is just a sense of pride. You know, listening, for example, to people talk about their ideas during the Synergizer or, or having conversations with people in between all our programming and learning more about what they're doing. I just, you know, I feel a sense of pride in who we are and what we are aspiring to do and what we are achieving to do I always walk away from each of these Concordias with this, with my heart sort of swelling up with pride in our community and the fact that we are, you know, despite it all, despite our personal challenges, our community challenges, our world challenges, we're just doing it. We're just making things happen. We're seizing the opportunities. We're overcoming the obstacles and just trying to make our communities and our societies and our world a little bit better, you know, with whatever passion we have with, and with a whole lot of heart and with a whole lot of commitment. So, you know, all of, all of our various programming brings that to light. It brings that to the surface. And so do the in-between conversations. I think those are equally important. We program certain things, but then we leave enough time for us to just have, grab a cup of tea together and, and learn about each other and and so for me, it's, um, yeah, it's just walking away with, with a heart full and with a heart full of hope, really, that things are happening and people are doing things. And there is so much good within our community. There's so much potential and there's so much achievement. You know, it's something we can all take such a sense of pride in. And that is the overwhelming feeling every time after Concordia is just, yeah, things are going to be okay. Uh, we are going to be okay because we've got people who are uh, moving things forward, you know, despite it all. Thank you. Side them, I'd like for you to 
to think about specific programming highlights for you? Uh, anything in particular that stood out or over the years? Um, one of the things we try to do uh, at Concordia is on the last day, on the Sunday, you know, given that we're usually in a new environment, we try to have some sort of programming that that takes advantage of the local community, the local amenities, the local um, points of interest. And that's led to some very memorable events over the years. In Atlanta in 2015, in fact, the Concordia Forum was held about 100 miles south of Atlanta, but on the final day, we had an event that was put together by the local community at the Civil Rights Museum and a huge um, luncheon panel discussion at the aquarium. It was phenomenal. First of all, to incorporate the Civil Rights Museum into the Concordia programming is uh, with C.T. Vivian, you know, a, a, you know, comrade of, of uh, Martin Luther King's was, was an incredible opportunity to learn more about the social justice struggles and civil rights struggles in the United States. Especially, I can, and I know this for a fact for our European participants, it was it was mind blowing. It's not some not an experience they would have had had they come on their own. And it does show that you know there is there is um, you know um, th there's always a surprise at Concordia when it comes to the the Sunday programming. And for people who think that they might have you know experienced it all when you know when when they choose to return. What they will not experience again is the is the Sunday programming. So, um, you know, in Montreal, we had a, a boat cruise, uh, you know, with members of the local community. This past, um, you know, ev event in Lisbon, we had an amazing luncheon provided by the Lisbon uh, Islamic Center and a tour of the facility and, and, and an amazing actually background story into the roots of that community, which was really inspiring, you know, and so on and so forth, you know. So I think that, you know, We'll always try to do that. We'll always try to infuse the local culture and local community into Concordia. We'll always try to learn from the, the places that we go. And um, we'll always try to have a surprise. And I think that that's really, um, that's really um, key. You know, there, there, nothing is predictable. Um, so, uh... so one of the things that uh, I particularly enjoy about Concordia as well are the workshops that we organize. And here also, you know, at Concordia, we work with the whole person. It's not just um, an intellectual exercise or a professional exercise. It's about, you know, developing us as people. And so for the workshops also, we have certain themes that are for our professional advancement and others that are for our personal advancement and just to nurture us as people. So on par with a workshop on negotiating skills, we'll have a workshop on calligraphy. So we can all try our hand at just taking a few hours and pausing and uh, trying out calligraphy or, or storytelling or something in the arts or even um, talking about uh, vulnerability or experience during the pandemic. You know, a way for us to really sort of serve our whole being, both advance us within our profession and intellectually and with those kinds of skills, but also to nurture us from the inside. Charles, what does the future hold? That's a very good question. Um, and, you know, at Concordia, we, um, we tend not to um, 
constrain our vision of the future, right? Um, um, I think 10 years ago, we couldn't have fathomed that Concordia would get to where it is now. And, you know, if I close my eyes and wonder what would Concordia 2031 or 2032 look like? You know, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I can compute that. And that's a good thing. You know, um, I, I think setting some sort of, a, you know, a tangible physical goal, you know, isn't what this is about. It's about having a goal and having a vision. And I feel like Concordia, by connecting networks of people, um, it's this force multiplier. It compounds every year. It's scary to think what that could mean 10 years from today. But one of our great strengths is we leave that space open. We don't try and define it too stringently because it's the members of the network that will help drive it, that will come up with innovation and through their creativity will, will find ways to move the cause forward and to move the network forward. That's a very abstract way of saying, I don't really know, but I, I think amazing grand things are coming if we keep the same culture, the same attitude, the same intention, and keep compounding the power of this incredible network. Thank you. Um, Zahid, um, more specifically over the next year or so, what are you excited about with what's coming up in the Concordia Forum? Well, after, you know, two years um, of having a break because of the pandemic and, and thinking very carefully about what Concordia's next steps are. I'm excited for two reasons. One is we were able to maintain the network being active and informative through online events. And I think going forward, that'll always be a part now of Concordia because we've sort of found it useful to keep people connected and to, um, you know, provide opportunities for people to engage with the network, but also really ensuring that Concordia reaches all of the people it needs to reach. And I think that, you know, we're just scratching the surface now, you know, with the networks that we've created. Now we have a lot more bandwidth to, to professionalize and to grow the network and to, to have events, multiple events uh, in different locations every year and really show people that there is that there's a, you know, a, a real um, social benefit from Concordia. It's not only about getting, you know, making sure that individuals reach their full potential, but there is a, a really measurable social benefit. So my Concordia is coming to the United States next year. How does that make you feel? Excited. I'm ready. <laughs> it's going to be uh, amazing to have it uh, in the U.S. Um, we haven't had one in the U.S. in a, in a few years. So I think, you know, we'll engage a lot of uh, Americans who haven't been able to travel uh, to, to Europe or to Canada, get a lot of new, interesting people to join our network and plan some exciting things. I'm, I'm definitely very excited to, uh, to, to have folks come to the U.S. Brilliant. Um, what would you uh, advise someone who's thinking of coming? Uh, well, we haven't really touched on um, you know some of the big names that have either come to Concordia or supported Concordia. You know, um, 
the, you know, the, the mayor elect of New York when he was Brooklyn president, you know, named a day in our honor in Brooklyn, you know, I mean, it's, you know, on and on. So um, we should, we should talk about the validation we've gotten outside of Muslim communities, just so that people understand that actually the people who are in the halls of power respect us yeah. and respect our contributions. And Let me ask our, you this then. So, yeah. um, uh, so Concordia is just about Muslims, for Muslims. How does it interact mm. with wider society? I mean, the, the fact is Concordia is a safe space for Muslims, uh, but that doesn't mean that its importance is only for Muslims. The reason we have that safe space is that to build trust among, pe among people who, who've not previously met each other is really important. And the one common thread that we will have is a background in Islam and concern for Muslim communities uh, and you know, and their um, Im and their improvement and their growth and their success. But these things are not just appreciated by those in Muslim communities. It's they're appreciated by those, um, you know, in wider society. Uh, we have many allies who are concerned about the Islamophobia and the, you know, um, and the other challenges that we face, and they appreciate that we are providing this independent, you know, uh, initiative to help, you know, connect our leaders and provide solutions to these big problems. And we have had affirmation everywhere we go. You know, we had the former president of Portugal speak at our retreat in Portugal. We've had ministers from the Canadian government speak at our event in Canada. We've had uh, people like Hillary Clinton and Theresa May offer videos of support. We've had, you know, big name actors like Jodie Foster appear on our on our programming and Riz Ahmed and people like that. We've had, uh, you know, the, 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 the mayor elect of New York City when he was Brooklyn Borough President, you know, at a dinner that we held in, in, in Brooklyn named a day in our honor. So we have, we have had huge, uh, huge buy-in from leaders who recognize that we're doing the right thing for our communities and that will have a tangible benefit for society at large. And that's the important thing is, you know, um, this is something for the world, even though we are, you know, uh, creating programming first and foremost to benefit individuals of Muslim backgrounds uh, so that they can do what they do better. Thank you. Well, following on from uh, Selma's uh, inspirational storytelling anecdote earlier, maybe I can end this by asking you guys to summarize your Concordia Forum journey six words. Okay, Concordia in six words. I would say connecting people with heart and intention. Thank you. Shiraz? I'll just um, uh, sort of give six words that I think summarize um, uh, my, my experience and I'd say trust, friendship, hope, that's three, strategy, collaboration, and social impact. Well, those, those are two words, so impact. Should have been more resourceful than my six words. Yeah, impact. I'll do two phrases. Um, gather leaders together, amplify their impact. And six words. Fantastic. Thank you very much, guys. That's a wrap. You guys will be brilliant. Enjoy. But that's your six words, please. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you think it's easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> trust, um, debate, collaboration, inspiration, strategy, camaraderie. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PR Unmasked with Madassa Ahmed by Unitas Communications. I hope you learned something valuable with this episode. I certainly did. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Stay tuned.